0: stand, are heroes of the faith, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace, they've run their race so faithfully, live for eternity, have done their part to reach the world, and how this is their plea. The gospel to a world that needs his life. Stand up, stand up, stand up and take your place. The time is here, the time is now. Stand up. So much has been given us. And now much is required Our eyes have seen God's mighty works And how he does provide With faith in God, our hope in Christ The Bible as our guide The time has come to take our place
1: Well, amen. That's good. I uh, was just uh, got a message idea for Friday night at the youth rally because that's what the theme is, is stand up. And uh, it wasn't the song, obviously, that I'll be preaching, but I thought about a situation in the Bible, and I thought to myself, here's, here's the thought. How, how many times do people bow before they stand? Think about that. But anyway, that might be my thought come Friday night. But anyway, I just thought, it, it just hit me while I was up here, so I thought I'd better write it down or I'll forget it, of course, that's how I am. But uh, that's a, I just thought about that, that's kind of an interesting thought, and, and uh, it was good to see all them young fellas up here singing, wasn't it? It gives us hope in the future as we see young men and young ladies that are uh, determined to live for Christ, and that's exciting. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're going to pick back up in our Commanding Our Children and Household series. Uh, just a few more verses. Actually, there's a few more lessons. That's about it in it. But uh, we had a couple already. We'll have like this one and maybe one more. But uh, we'll see how far we get today. But Genesis chapter 18, we're going to read uh, just in verses 16 through 18, uh, 16 through 22, I should say. Uh, Tonight We're not going to read all 22 verses like we have in the past. But let's just begin in verse 16. Chapter 18, verse 16 of the book of Genesis. And there, of course, the Bible says, And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall... Surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous... I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now, in our series, we've been addressing this issue of commanding our children and households, and we arrive at that thought here in this particular passage. In this passage, The the Lord says, I know him, speaking about Abraham. And we know that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We know that God knows us, doesn't he? He knows who and what we are and what we're all about. Not only did he create us, but he knows all the nuances and all the little things that, that we seem to think even are secret in our own hearts and our lives. God is aware of them. God knows them. And in this case, he says, I know Abraham. I know him. He will command his children and household after him. He's going to do that. And that word command means to bid or to order, to direct or to charge. It implies authority and power to control, it, it implies this idea of requiring obedience, that Abraham is going to order or direct and charge his family. He's going to put them in the proper direction. He's going to hold them accountable to those things that he implements or puts in place. And so God is saying, or should, or what God is really saying is that he believed that Abraham would direct and order his children like he directed and ordered himself even. That Abraham was the kind of man that God could count on, that he would then order and direct his children to be the same kind of person, that he wouldn't require something of them that he wasn't, or he wouldn't put a standard upon them that he didn't uphold himself. He was consistent, that he would require devotion and discipline from them, even as he demanded it or commanded it from himself. God was confident that Abraham's leadership would lead his children in the way of the Lord. That his leadership would compel them to do justice and judgment. And that is where we find it here in this passage. We see God doing those things. We see God recognizing Abraham and those qualities and characteristics of leadership that are so paramount, so important, not only in his life, but in each of our lives. And I wonder if we came face to face with the Lord, would He have the same confidence in our ability to command our children and our households as He did it with Abraham? I think that's a good question to ask ourselves, especially those that have young children or maybe even those that are grandparents or have some kind of impact or influence on any youngsters at all. So we began to ask the question, we said, what practical steps can we take to command our children and households well? We said, number one, require all in your home to attend the house of God and participate as you do. Then we said, number two, schedule time to elevate Christ in the home through family time around the Word of God. I mean, family worship has never been needed more than it is today, it seems, in our lopsided, upside-down, backward world in which we live. Not only does family worship provide us with an opportunity to kind of balance the voices being heard by our families in the world today, but it also proves that we're real. Our children hear and see mom and dad or grandma and grandpa loving Jesus at church, and that's fine and that's good, but family worship allows them to see them doing it at home as well. They say, man, mom and dad are real. It's not just at church. It's everywhere they are. And family devotions reinforce God's place in the home. It puts God where He belongs, at the forefront, at the center. And the truth is, is that as parents today, we have to breathe a passion for the Word of God into the lives of our children. If we're looking for someone else to breathe that life into them, we're probably going to be waiting a long time. We need to exhibit some energy for the things of God. I... uh, turned on the, the basketball game for just a few moments this afternoon and the Cavs were getting stomped again. Ticked me off. I can guarantee you there were some passionate fans in the crowd today, weren't there? They said it got so loud they couldn't even hear the whistles in the, in the, inside the stadium. People that were passionate about basketball, passionate about sports, passionate about winning. And I'm not going to be negative about that. I have no problem with that kind of passion. I think it's awesome and it's fun. It's exciting. But let me tell you, we ought to be a little bit more passionate, I think, about the Word of God and the things of God in our Christian lives. And we need to pass that passion on to our children and our families and those around us. As the world continues to undermine God's word, as it seeks to retire it from the public domain, we got to revive it daily in our homes and in the lives of our children. Every day they need to hear about God. Every day they need to be encouraged to turn uh, to, to recognize God in their life and, 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 and just the many blessings that God even bestows upon them. And you know what, when it's really all said and done, I think it's important to realize this, that... As important as mom is in the home, dad, I think that you have a greater responsibility to bring this energy than anyone. And passion is contagious. And what you are passionate about will ultimately rub off on your children. We need to breathe life into our homes, spiritual life into our homes. And so we said require all in your home to attend the house of God and participate as you do. Schedule time to elevate Christ in the home through family time around the Word. And tonight I want to begin by saying that we need to protect, you need to protect your home and family from evil influences. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll continue tonight. Father, thank you again for this opportunity and this time that we now have together in this place. And Lord, the truth is, is that we gather today as a people that are needy. We know, Father, that we live in a world that is anti-Christ, that is opposed to the things of you, uh, of the Word of God, and Lord, we want to be in a position to stand like the song said. Help us now, Lord, to learn what we need to learn, to embrace the truths we need to embrace so that, Father, we can stand and that we can set a good example for our children and our grandchildren and all those that are coming behind us. Be glorified now in this service, we pray. We'll give to you the glory and the honor, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Protect your home and family from evil influences. Boy, this is so awfully important. And I I don't think that anybody in the room would say, oh, I've never thought of that. I think we all at some point have considered it, thought about it, but I do think it's something that we need reminded about because I'm concerned that maybe at times we fail to make it as important as it ought to be. There have always been and always will be evil forces at work in our world. That is a reality. Take your Bible, look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you 2 Corinthians chapter 4? This is one of those passages that's so intriguing to me. And um, it's a truth that as many times as I share it, as many times as I say it, I think, Outside of maybe your ears and others, I don't know that we recognize and realize how true this is in our world. Look, look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the god of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of christ who is the image of god should shine unto them that little phrase in whom the god of this world little g god of this world that left phrase that little phrase is super powerful it's amazing he's the god of this world look over if you would in first john first john chapter 2 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to beat you over there so I can find the verse I'm looking for. And it doesn't look like I'm going to do a good job of it. Look at verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, We, you know, we read the passage there in 1 John from time to time. We may hear it stated, but the reason why we're not to love this world is because this world is ruled and governed by none other than the little G God who is Satan. I don't know about you, but if Satan is actually ruling this world, if he's governing this world, if you will, as we often note, the social, the political, the, the economic, the religious systems of the world, then we need to be very weary of everything that we are hearing and everything that we are seeing all about us at all times. There has always been and always will be evil forces at work. We see it in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse um, 12, the Bible says, I'm going to get there. I'm sorry, here we go. It says in chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is, that's what we're up against today. There are spiritual beings, there's literally warfare taking place all about us, all the time. And it's important that we recognize that the tools that Satan uses are the physical tools that are all around us and about us all the time. He is spiritual too in that sense, in the sense that he offer, he, it, we have spiritual wickedness in high places. But the fact is he uses very real tools at his disposal. These... Evil forces are at work in our world. And God in his foresight has provided protectors in every age and at every turn along the line. You say, what do you mean? Well, first of all, look in Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 17. We know that God's people Israel struggled, that there were many that sought to destroy them to ruin their nation, to kill off their people. We know that evil was always lurking about and trying to draw them away from God to idolatry. Notice that God establishes a protector or protectors for them. One of them is the prophet. There's always been the prophet in Israel. Ezekiel 3, 17, Son of man, I have made thee a... Watchmen. You see that? He made him a watchman. Ezekiel is a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Ezekiel 3 17. Moving forward in verse 18. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and givest him not warning, thou speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same. Wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness... And commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he had done, shall not be remembered, but the, his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous that the, righteousness, the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he's warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, all the way back in those Old Testament times, with Israel, Israel being drawn away all the time, seeking, people seeking to draw them toward idolatry, to tempt them and lure them in all kind of sin. He says, I've sent or provided a prophet so that he could warn you. That prophet always warned Israel. That's what the prophet was there for. The voice wasn't always appreciated. The message wasn't always received. But the prophet was given by God to protect, to warn, and to ultimately keep them from evil. Not only that, but we note turn if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13. So we have the prophets and Israel. But we also have the preachers and the church. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. In that Old Testament, we had the prophets. In the New Testament, we got the preachers. In Hebrews 13, 17, the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now, right there is just a literal atomic bomb in our culture today. I mean, to literally obey anybody, let alone let them rule over you, is like taboo, bad news Run as far and as fast as you can from them. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that's unprofitable for you. Listen, in the New Testament, God says, listen, there's a need for protection still. There's still a little G God out there that's trying to undermine everything that I know is right and good for you as a people. My church is to be pure and holy and clean, and honestly, you're going to need some protection, and I have provided that protection through the preacher. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. We better do what he says, because our purity and our well-being is at stake. Wow. It's really quiet. The prophet in Israel, the preacher, and the church... And then, before anybody gets a little too pious and thinks that I've missed something, we have the parents and the whole. So not only do we have a preacher that watches for our souls, but now God says, by the way, in every generation I have placed parents in that place to protect their children. So in essence, really, when it's all said and done, The parents are to be guided and directed by God through God's man and the people of God in the home are to direct their children. God never ordained the parent to take the place of the preacher or the prophet. But there has to be authority at every place and there has to be warning, protection provided. Protection. I don't like what you said in a certain message. If I said it, I probably said it to protect, not to somehow tie your hands and keep you from enjoying life. At least that's the way it ought to be. I'm sure there are preachers that say things for their own good and try to elevate themselves or somehow manipulate people. I'm sure that exists, but I don't know that I've tried to do that. But parents and the home, that, that's, that's a front that has to be addressed. It has to be dealt with. Because, see, if the home says, well, I'll let the preacher and the staff and the Sunday school teachers and the workers take care of my children and protect them from those spiritual pitfalls, you're missing out on a real important level of protection because the real responsibility we're going to see really falls in the hands of the parent. Look, look over if you would in Matthew 12. <clears throat> the parents, parents and the home, so important here. Yes, there were prophets in Israel. Yes, there are preachers in the church and they are indispensable, no doubt. But this one, you can't get rid of this one for sure. Parents and the home. Now, the fact is that you and I are described as houses. We're looked at as, as as houses. Look at Matthew 12, 43. You'll know where I'm going in just a moment. Notice what it says in chapter 12, verse 43. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, what did he do? He went out of a man. Watch. He walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then, he goeth, then, then, he, then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And then the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it also be unto this wicked generation." So we have something, a a spirit here that is in a man, that leaves a man and in the midst of that leaving then all of a sudden everything's getting cleaned up and getting right but then he makes his way back and says wow good job, way to clean things up I'm just going to come back in and corrupt it but I'm going to bring more with me. And you know what, sadly enough, we see evidence of that in lives, don't we? We see people who have been bound by drugs and alcohol, bound by other kind of vice, and they find themselves trying to clean it up, and they do kind of a good job. They get rid of the evil or wickedness in their life, and next thing you know, when it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. But notice again, this is described almost as a house. This person, this thing is in the man, and now it's out of the man. It's coming in and out, and it's described as a house. And you know what's interesting about a house is a house is acceptable by way of a door. In Revelation 3.20, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. So now we find that that house, this body, this house, this mind, if you will, this house, the person is described as a house. That's us. But there's a doorway to that house. You don't get in it except through the door. And that's important to remember And even as we can unlock and open the door of our hearts to God, as we see in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we also can do the same for Satan. We can open the door of our life, our heart, our homes even, to Satan and to the things of this world. In the first situation in Matthew, that's exactly what was transpiring and taking place. And unfortunately, that happens too often in our lives. You say, but I'm at least a child of God. God can't, uh, uh, the God of this world at least can't possess me. Well, he can definitely oppress you. He can affect your life. And you know what? There's some debate as to whether or not or how far he can go in your life. Let me tell you that. Don't you play that game where I'm safe because I'm saved. You aren't safe, my friend. He can wreck and ruin your life. He can get in your mind and destroy you too. Satan accesses our minds. He accesses our feelings. And when we open that doorway, we leave it open. He comes rushing in. Therefore, you and I have to be careful not to leave the door of our hearts and our minds unattended. And that's why the Lord is so adamant about not drinking alcohol in excess. Why? Because when people drink alcohol, it affects their ability to oppose things, to think properly. To, it opposes the mind. It, 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 it brings the defenses down. You don't want it to be drinking. Why? Because even a little alcohol affects your ability to say no. And God wants your mind to be always on sharp. He wants it to be prepared to say no. Slam that door shut. Keep it locked. Don't open it for any reason except for me. If we carelessly leave the door open, Satan will be glad to come in and he'll come strolling in. Let me tell you, he'll, he'll come strutting in. So shut the door, lock that door, only open it to God and good. Demonic activity is all about us today. I think it's more clear than ever as we look around us. The heinous and just the, the horrible types of things that are taking place in our world today and we, we, we look around and we say, how can this be happening? How is it so, so quickly progressing to where it's at? I know that we've allowed things through the past to kind of build up and find their way now to where they are, but boy, there's something demonic about what's taking place in the hearts and minds of people that caused them to go into schools and shoot little children. And that's not everywhere, and by the way, you need to be careful, as I was telling the singles class, you'd get the impression that there are mass shootings everywhere, all the time, in our country, and that is just not true. There are 330 million people in our country, and you really look at how many people have actually died at the hands of mass shooters in the last year. It's not a drop in the bucket numerically but they'll make your children scared to death to go to school. Your children be so afraid to go to the grocery store. We're afraid to walk around our blocks. We're afraid to do anything because there's all these maniacs out there shooting everybody in our country. You don't think that's a demonic spirit that's being given and taught and shared with us? Do you know how important it is that you lock that door to your home and keep those kind of thoughts out of the minds of your children so they don't grow up scared to death? It's a horrible thing to be afraid. If you've ever really been afraid, it's a terrible thing. And that is exactly what Satan is peddling in our nation, and our country today, and around this, this, this globe. But we got to be careful what we let in. we got problems in America, no doubt, and it's demonically Im- imposed. There's no doubt Satan's at work today. The God of this world's at work we got to shut that door, the door of our heart, the door of our homes, and we cannot allow Him to infect us the way He's infecting the rest of the world. The home is to be a safe haven from the stress of the workplace, the frantic pace of our culture, the temptations that abound in the world. The home is to be an environment that perpetuates rest and relaxation, that encourages rejuvenation, refreshment and restores us. We can't allow the world into our homes or our safe haven is going to disappear and Satan's going to gain a stronghold. Can't imagine walking into my home to rap music. Or let me say this, the wrong kind of music at all. I mean the confusion. I have neighbors that play that, I don't know what it is, I think it's worse than rap music. Can't even understand the word. And it's satanic. I'm telling you it's satanic. It's satanic. And and, and you know what? How do we let that stuff in our homes and think we're going to have peace? How are our families going to prosper when we're letting the world in? Oh, we're going to watch the Grammys tonight. We're going to watch the halftime show at the Super Bowl. We're going to go ahead and listen to the junk that the world wants to peddle and sell to us. And we're going to find peace in our homes? Can't even turn the news on half the time without being discouraged. We've got to guard the home from worldly propaganda that undermines the authority of God and Scripture. We've got to guard our homes from that stuff. You think about how many things, how many messages and how many voices are undermining the authority of God and Scripture in our culture. We cannot permit those in our homes. I don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, we've got to be careful. We, we have to guard our homes from worldly practices that erode purity and righteousness. I mean, do we allow things or practices in our home that doesn't promote purity and holiness and righteousness? I mean, are we, we, we allowing those kind of things to take place in our home that do not please the Lord? We've got to guard our homes from worldly vice that enslaves and cripples us. Man, get rid of your cigarettes, get rid of your alcohol, get rid of your foul language, get rid of those vices that we know don't please the Lord. We wonder why our homes are a mess because we've opened the door to Satan and the world too many times and we've allowed him to stroll right on in and take up residency in our, our not only our lives but in our homes then. We introduce those things to our children And what we do in moderation, we know our children do in excess. Therefore, we have to root out any unscriptural or unhealthy teaching that will corrupt the thinking and outlook of our family. Wouldn't it be ridiculous as a Christian home to uh, say, you know what, we're going to watch this video on Darwinism? Let's, Let's learn about Darwinism. How old are your children? four and eight. Why would you introduce them to Darwinism? Why would you even talk about that at ages four and eight? I may sit my children down at the age of 12 or 13 and say, okay, let's rip this thing to shreds. I'm talking about homeschool kids even right now. I'm talking about more homeschool. If you're, in, if you're putting your kids in real school, and I say real school, I'm talking about the state school, because they'll say yours isn't real. But if you put them in a school like that, then you might need to start talking about it in kindergarten but let me tell you something i'm not introducing my kids to that trash because i don't even want it in their minds until i at least until they're old enough to start recognizing and making the difference between right and wrong and good and bad i'm telling you we better be careful what we allow we would be fools to open up our homes to darwinism or to any kind of program or, that teaches it or or any kind of television show that teaches it, or any kind of internet influencer that teaches it. It'd be foolish. We have got to root out any unscriptural unhealthy teaching that will corrupt the thinking and outlook of our family. We live in a society where Boys or girls, and girls are boys, and everybody's right except for the people who actually are in their right mind. Those were all psychological disorders just about three or four years ago. And that's amazing. It was probably ten years ago that if you were a homosexual, you considered to have a psychological problem too. They changed that law, the law, they changed the rules. We're changing the rules again, but can I tell you, some of the rules have not changed. And the fact is, is that this rule, the Word of God, doesn't change at all. And when we start allowing anything but what God says is true and what's not in our lives, and we allow it to influence and impact our families, then we have opened a door to Satan, and he's walking right in the door. We must punish rebellion swiftly and demand a Christ-like spirit in the home. I didn't say tonight it was going to be fun. I, I just, it, it's important that we understand something. I'm trying to warn some things, warn you. Yeah, we must punish rebellion swiftly and demand a Christ-like spirit in the home. <clears throat> we have this, the attitude today many times <clears throat> that somehow rebellion is something we can work around or work with. That time heals all wounds type thing. Now there's some attitudes that need to be addressed immediately, and rebellion's one of them. Amen. Can I permit that? Amen. I was shocked the other day, and again, I've never watched the show; don't know anything about it, so I'm, I'm afraid I'm not even going to mention it, even just because I don't want somebody looking it up. But I saw a show that that was used to be popular a number of years ago, and we used to warn families: don't watch that trash. Those children are being disrespectful to their parents. They're being disrespectful to authority. They're, doing, they're, they're allowing these, these characters to, to do these things. And I just saw it's, it's, either it's been on all this time or it's coming back. I don't know which, but I thought, why wouldn't it? And it's going to be worse than ever, I'm sure. Who would let that in their home? Who would, in, who would, who would permit their children to watch that? I hope nobody. But Satan is much more subtle than things like that. So, as a result, we got to root out any unscriptural, unhealthy teaching that will corrupt the thinking and outlook of our family. We need to punish rebellion swiftly and demand a Christ-like spirit in the home. That's huge, by the way. We must establish standards for television watching, internet use, phone access, and social media. We better settle on some of those things. Better figure it out. You better have a game plan. we say about our bus ministry and the kids that we bring in all the time, if you don't have a plan for them, they got one for you. And I can guarantee you, your children have a plan for you if you don't have a plan for them. Boy, you better be careful what you permit in the home. It's a doorway. Don't open that door. Slam it shut to many of these things that we know are unscriptural and ungodly. Not only that, but we must limit information that will inside fear and uncertainty in the lives of our children. I was talking about that just a little bit ago. If you're letting your children hear stupid stuff about the Ukrainian war, you're out of your mind. They don't need to know a thing about it. And the truth is, I don't want to know about it. It ought to be over with by now. But to sit there and cause our children to believe somehow that, oh, we're on the verge of, you know what, and you've been hearing it in the news lately, let me tell you something, that doesn't do our children any good. There's not one kid in this room that needs to know or hear those kind of things. It won't do one bit of good. Well, they need to know what's going on in the world. No, they don't. Not like that. No, they don't. They need to learn what's going on in the home. They need to know what's going on in the house of God. They need to know what's going on Between them and God, and figure it all out because they'll get blasted enough sooner or later with the world. I'm not about putting a kid in a bubble and not teaching them things. I get it. But I'm going to tell you what to give them access to that stupid phone, to everything that's going on around the world, you are out of your mind. You have opened a door into their life, Satan has walked in and he is impacting and influencing them. There is not one influencer more powerful than Satan himself. And can I tell you, every other influencer that's doing anything other than lifting up Christ is on his payroll. I wouldn't give my children, I wouldn't give access to my kids, to them for nothing in the world. The last people I want telling my kids what's really going on in the world because it's not probably really going on, it's all lies, is the media. I don't want them. I'm gonna I wanna filter everything that my kids know. I want to make sure that it's right before they hear it. They don't need to hear it from the news organization, they don't need to hear it from other sources, they need to hear it from mom and dad. They need to hear it from Pastor O'Donnell. Amen. You say that that's pretty closed minded. Oh well, go ahead, look around you, see what it's producing. Is that what you want for your kids? Go to the local public school. See how it's turning out for kids, for families. Go ahead and read read something in the newspaper, how people are following people back to their location of work and shooting them on the streets. Go ahead, tell me how it's working today. It's trash what we got going on in our world. And it's all because of the God of this world, the God of this world, little G God. And we're opening the door of our hearts, and now we're opening the doors of our homes. It will not bide well. We must walk circumspectly. In Ephesians 5, 16 and 15 and 16, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Can you imagine when that was written back in Ephesians, back in that day? We know that there was persecution taking place. We think we got it bad now. It was probably a lot worse back then, a lot worse. By the way, it's only going to get a lot worse unless Jesus Christ either returns or the believer steps up and stands up. You're right. Amen. Man, God's going to have to bring a revival to this nation. I mean, He'd have to bring a revival to this nation to change the course of it. And by the way, there's not one president we could get that's going to change the direction we've been going. They may be able to stem the tide a little bit, but let me tell you, it's like a boomerang. It's going to come back twice as bad, just like we saw the last time. We may get a reprieve for a few years, but I'm going to tell you what, The God of this world is still on the throne of this world and he is dead dog determined to wreck and ruin our culture, our society, and anything good about America because at one point America was taking the gospel around the world and now America is losing. They have lost that place. And we are just headed down, just like Rome. Again, I'm not trying to preach doom days, but I'm just saying, Christian young people, Friday night, when you hear about standing, you better figure it out because your nation's depending on you. Your world's depending on you. And it doesn't matter how many young people check out of the battle. You stand up and you fight because there's always hope when you and God are on the same scene. There's always a majority when He's on your side. I got to close. We admonish people to be separated as individuals. And that's important. We should be separated as individuals. There's no doubt. We see it in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. But you know, separation doesn't stop there. <clears throat> it doesn't stop with our personal lives. It should extend into every home. Your home ought to be different than the world's homes. My home ought to be different than the world's home. There should be a distinct difference. We will never have a place to escape the world if we allow the world to exist in our homes. Maybe you... Don't have a lot of choice. So, you teenagers and stuff, you don't have a lot of choice in it. If your parents are determined to bring the world into the home, well, you're gonna have to learn to live that, live around that. You're gonna have to find a way to find a little safe haven of your own from time to time. Because there's some situations you just can't get around it. Fortunately, some of you ladies in here may have a husband that's not really faithful to the Lord, and they don't care about separation in the home you're going to have to find that little space where you can get away and you can find that spot in your own life that prayer closet if you will where you can escape the world we have to have that escape or we'll drown in it cuz we'll never have a place to escape if the world's in our homes if we'll undermine it if we don't if we don't if we allow the world to exist in our homes It will undermine the biblical teaching received in both church and even within the home itself. It'll undermine it. It'll undermine both yours and God's authority in the home. We love the Lord, but we watch this. We listen to this. We do this. But we love the Lord. It will undermine both yours and God's authority in the home. It'll corrupt the minds of your family. It'll undoubtedly and ultimately capture the minds of our families. It will promote chaos and confusion in our homes. It'll promote a worldly offspring. It'll negatively affect our marriages, our homes, and our families if we let the world in them. It's going to be bad. How many folks have you ever known that were faithful in God's house and then left the church. Not just this church. I'm talking about the church. Stopped, got out of church and it ever bettered their family. How many of those families you know, you can point to and go, they've never been in church since they used to be faithful here. They were coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They were involved in the ministry and they've, they got out of church. Man, their families are so much stronger and better now. I don't know any of those. I don't know any of them. You know what happened? Somebody opened a door in their heart to the world. Somebody. Probably it was either mom or dad at first. And then they opened the door to their home. And then the world ultimately corrupted their children and captured them. I'm going to close by sharing this and I'll I'll sit down and be quiet. There are so many voices in our world today and those voices impact and influence us and our families whether we admit it or not. For most, especially, listen, especially those who homeschool. Here it is now. The phone offers the greatest threat to our families. The phone offers the greatest threat to our families. They are powerful and they are portable, which makes them very, very dangerous. They connect us to everyone, to everything, at every moment. And the constant barrage of information is deadly. And you know, we live in America, and I believe everyone has a right to voice their views and their opinions. I have no problem with that. But I would be insane to permit every voice equal airtime in my life or in the lives of my family. See, there are just some views and opinions that are just downright destructive. I just want to encourage you to be very careful with that area. Just be very careful. Weigh the good and the bad. Very carefully. Because I believe not only is the church in general Well, the church is comprised of homes and families, isn't it? But the church is about as dead as a doornail because of the impurity that's being bred through phones and through the Internet and social media today. We are powerless, and it's not going to get any better until we as Christians figure out why this is happening. And I believe it's because we're allowing too many voices in the world to influence us today. We better be real careful with this. Just be careful. Give it some thought, consideration. You pray about it, mom, dad. Grandma, grandpa, pray about it. Because honestly, we need to protect our homes and families from evil influences. That's our responsibility as leadership in the home. Let's protect our kids. Let's protect our grandchildren. Let's do our best, at least, filled with the Spirit to accomplish that goal. Father, we come to you. Father, I I, I ask, Lord, that you would just help us tonight. And, Lord, I know, Father, in my own life, I recognized and have recognized, even as of late, needs to just be very careful with certain things because the world's impact and influence in my life is so subtle. Lord, I... I, I dread the idea or the thought that somehow I could open the door of my heart to the world and, and then in turn even open the door of my home to it and negatively impact my grandchildren even. Help us, Lord. I, I know we've got to be realistic. I know we have to live in the world that we're in. I, I get it all. But, Lord, help us to be very cautious. In that Old Testament, you gave Israel the prophet's. In the New Testament, you give them a pastor, but Lord, the most important level is the home. And in that home, you give parents. I pray, Lord, that all of our parents would get together and discuss issues and talk about things to, uh, or how they can more effectively protect their family from the influences and the impact of the world we live in so that they're not corrupted by it. They're not Ultimately captured by it. Please bless us and help us to do our best. That's all we can do. Because none of us are perfect, Lord. You know that. And Lord, we know that we can only do what we can. So help us to do our best. Fill with your spirit. And then, Lord, we'll just trust that our children will make wise choices moving forward. Because ultimately it lands in their court. Give them wisdom. To make good choices, too. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head back.